A butterfly dies is a hex crawl adventure set in the forested mountainside of a prehistoric and mythical Michoacan, Mexico. Four days from now, an ancient ritual will raise the land and end the decades of flourishing times. But many believe the destructive tradition is not necessary for rejuvenating the land. Will you ally with the smolder cult fulfilling the burning of the butterfly miracle? Or will you help those who want to break the tradition? There are consequences with either choice. A Butterfly Dies is funding now on Kickstarter. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my guest today, Nick, the creator of Ready Play Games. Welcome. Hey, Logar. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be uh, talking to you. <laughs> it's good to be talking to you. And, and you've got an interesting, your games, Ready Play Games is a little bit different than a lot of the role-playing games we look at. Is that is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, kind of, so I, I kind of came into the role playing world through Dungeons and Dragons, like most people. Then that basically got replaced with an endless supply of board games as I got older and couldn't dedicate as much time to long term <laughs> scenarios. Um, but kind of what brought me to this idea of Ready Play Games was uh, the little mini origins that happened in 2021 in October. I played an incredible role playing game uh, that was uh, created by Gail Clendenin, who hosted it. Mm -hmm. And the premise for it, it was called Happy Birthday Tess. And I just booked for that because I didn't know anyone at Origins. Happy Birthday Tess? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anyone at Origins. I'm like, all right, I'll sign up for this. I'll crash someone's birthday party. Excellent. Uh, but it was a role-playing <laughs> game that was, it was a crazy idea. So basically all the five people who showed up was all in, in charge of a different aspect of Tess's personality. And oh. we all decided what she did on her 30th birthday. <laughs> so like I was in charge of her inhibitions. Another person was in charge of her shame. Another person was in charge of her depression. So like it was very, it was kind of like inside out, but way more emotional and dramatic. <laughs> and so periodically she would just like kind of hand out cards that showed people's, um, uh, that showed memories Tess was having of earlier birthdays. Yeah. And that would kind of influence what we were making her do during the day. And so I was just blown away by the fact that I didn't need dice. None of us needed pencils or papers or anything like that. And uh, so at the time, I was reading tons of books about the uh, New York 1960s early punk rock scene, like, please oh, yes. kill me. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, please kill me. And then Just Kids by Patti Smith. And I was just obsessed with that, like, that time. And it was also around that time that... Um, the the movie One Night in Miami came out, which is like this fictional evening of uh, these great like black uh, leaders all having one night together. So yes. I said, you know what, that would be a great premise for a role playing game where everybody picks a different person in New York City in the 60s in the pop art scene. And then oh. we just kind of narrate their night together. So that was the first game I came up with I, <laughs> with I, Ready I Play Games. Play that. that sounds like fun. <laughs> that's the kind of pop culture references I get into. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So so I called that one 15 Minutes of Fame. And the way I designed it was uh, each player, three to four players and one GM, each player got two cards. Oh, sorry. I didn't bring this up, but 
ready play games, each scenario I've done is a small box with 18 cards or less. So in this one, each player gets two cards. One is uh, their character's portrait. The back is a little bit of information about them and how they feel about the other players. Then they get another card that shows the inventory that people can see. So like their clothing. And then on the back of it is stuff that they have in their pockets. So that's kind of their inventory going into this evening together. And of course, a lot of that inventory is drugs. Uh, <laughs> I really so, want to play this game. Fill my pockets, please. <laughs> awesome. So, so like the characters you can play as are Andy Warhol. So that one I had to have oh, someone that everybody knows. Gonna say it. Oh my god. Hold on. Hold and then, on. I, I I cannot stand Andy Warhol, and I am obsessed with Andy Warhol in a weird way. There's the Andy Warhol sphere, and so many things happen. He can be so terrible at times. Anyway, so, well, <laughs> so this is early Andy Warhol, and like <laughs> his little bio I wrote is he's still trying to figure out what his public persona is, but oh. he's the hot thing because he just did um, his show at the uh, the World's Fair. So oh. like, not everybody knows who he is, but people are starting to really recognize him. Oh. Uh, and then one of the other characters you can play <laughs> as is uh, Nico because I love the Velvet oh. Under ground and Nico's like I got that record right over there with the banana awesome. on the cover I and and I know that Lou Lou Reed was not a fan of hers yeah but I've got Transformer too my favorite is this, I like I like Nico a lot I think she did good so, stuff there anyways go yeah, on <laughs> like, no, no, I know she she is the the weakest part of that album I like her I love that album <laughs> it's an incredible album it. <laughs> but just I, I love the fact that Nico went on to become like one of the main influences of the goth music scene mm -hmm. yeah. so I wanted to have the opportunity to play as her uh, and then just her hanging out with Andy Warhol. She's a superstar. He's got a big <laughs> ego. I thought there'd be great drama between them. Um, <laughs> and then to even it out, I got John Cage in there as a character because he's like an even more famous artist, but he's not as visually recognizable. So he's jealous of Andy Warhol. <laughs> and then uh, just to mix it up, uh, I got Andy DeSalvo, the Boston Strangler, as the fourth character. <laughs> oh, no. <That's laughs> so, <horrible>. anyways, <laughs> so basically the way the game works is each player gets those two cards, and then there's cards that define locations you can visit. So, of course, I have the factory. I've got the Chelsea Hotel. Oh. Uh, and I've got cards of uh, different NPCs you can run into, like Bob Dylan and uh, Janis oh, nice. Joplin. And so it's all just basically a bunch of ingredients, like a deconstructed uh, fancy meal. And then uh, the GM is helping the players kind of put these ingredients together into a story. Uh, <laughs> but you can really take it wherever you want. I that, that one sounds like a whole lot of fun. I'd be really curious to play that. <laughs> so that, that was the first one I wrote. Um, and then uh, Gail, who designed that other game, she wrote one for me called Urchins, where the players play Parisian street urchins in the 1800s. And they get uh, hired to steal a book from a monastery. That's the only one I didn't write. The other ones I all wrote myself. I did all the graphic design illustration myself. Can I, I want to interject something here. Make sure that this was said uh, when we spoke earlier. Uh, it, it, the concept behind having everything together in that one box is because this is kind of intended, I'm, I'd say, for like an introductory. Like you're yeah, not yeah. a big gamer or crunchy type person. Exactly. Um, yeah. So th there's really no rules. It's just like this, for, if you're a player this card defines who you are now play as that person mm -hmm. and interact with the world that the GM is building for you. And the GM is using their cards to kind of define mm -hmm. that world. That's, That's kind cool. of the premise. Yeah. I like that. And, and, and using like a pop culture references like that, that a lot of people may mm -hmm. be familiar with maybe a good way. Like, Hey, you don't, I, I want you to try playing this game with me. 
No, it's not Dungeons and Dragons, but you might be interested in the subject matter. Yeah. I can think of a lot of folks yeah. who would enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess, yeah, it is definitely, it's more attuned towards people who are not heavy role players. It's really like people who maybe play some board games with their friends, they have a game night and they want to mix it up. And I guess thematically, it's kind of like unlock the little card games of escape room card games. Yeah. yeah, so like each one is different <laughs> and everything you need in the box. That's, that's good. I like that. That's a great approach. I think it's cool. So tell me about some more of that because there's, there's how many? So it's what? Let's rewind and talk about Kickstarter for a minute because it's yeah. Zine Fest <laughs> and this is happening yeah, on yeah. Kickstarter. So let's tell a little bit about some of that and the Kickstarter that's going on. Then I'd like to hear about some more of the games. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. So, so uh, this is my volume two of the ready play games on Kickstarter. The first ready play games helped get the printing of three of the games. And then there is a free one as a stretch goal. This one, I'm doing the printing of three more games. You also have the original three available and two more, which are going to be free as print and plays. If you back at certain levels, uh, so there's a total of eight games available on this current Kickstarter. This is also my 16th Kickstarter. So there is no question that these will be delivered to you on time without trouble. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of new to role-playing games, but uh, I've been designing tarot decks and board games and uh, tons of stuff on Kickstarter. So <laughs> this is kind of old hat for me at this point. Tell us about a few of the other games of the, okay. the is it, it was eight total, I think it was. Um, so there's, was yeah, the eight that are available in this one, there's 15 Minutes of Fame, which I already described. Urchins, the one written by Gail, uh, where you play the Parisian street urchins. Uh, Delta Blues, which is uh, the cards actually lay out into a map of a haunted house. Uh, the theme is it's the 70s. You're a mixed race family that is meeting for the first time. And you decide to go on a fishing trip to get your family together. But you inadvertently end up in the bayou of a uh, haunted witch. <laughs> and so you no. have to find your way through the house to figure out how to break the curse and escape. Then A Tragedy in Four Acts is... Uh, most of these are 18 plus, by the way, but there's some <laughs> younger ones. I have the ages written on all of them. Uh, Tragedy in Four Acts is, uh, I guess, kind of Beetlejuicy. The players oh. all play ghosts living <laughs> in a house in the 80s. And uh, this guy and his elderly mother move into the house. And as the players, you have cards that define powers you can do at any point on one side of your card and powers you can only do once per game on the other side of the card. So you're going to try and mess with the people who are alive in the house, try to get them to leave with the limited abilities you have. And as a result of that, you'll eventually end up figuring out how you died. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Secret Identity Crisis. This one's kind of inspired by uh, Midnight Mass, the Netflix series. Oh, oh yeah. You know what? <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I just I loved all the scenes of uh, like the Alcoholics Anonymous scenes. Yes. And uh, my mom's also going through AA. And like I was kind of inspired by that to basically like what if superheroes had to go through AA too? But so, so the way this works is everyone gets a card that shows uh, their superhero identity on one side and then their secret identity on the other. It's up to you to create your powers and who you are. You're just going off the illustration. <laughs> and then you're drawing random cards that describe emotional trauma you've suffered. Uh, ah. And for each emotional trauma card, there's trauma got you got from the superhero side and trauma you got from your secret identity side. So the GM has a list of therapy topics and they're acting as the group therapy leader and oh you all are just kind of role-playing your character and kind of creating your character as you as you make stuff up through the game using your trauma as inspiration <laughs> oh this could get it could get interesting it's interesting i appreciate it though yeah. <laughs> i like what i like approaching like at gameplay i'm curious how something like this 
plays out. <laughs> well, it's the first one I did that doesn't have a story. Um, mm -hmm. But I love the idea that you could use that to define a character that you might want to explore in other games. Yeah. So it's basically character creation is the activity. That That's cool. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. It's an interesting... And is there so is there a is a dm or are you actually acting out your characters in the meeting itself so, uh the dm is the group therapist um ah. they're the only person i gave powers to i call them neutral ground that's their superhero name oh. uh they have the ability to calm people or make people angry just by touching them oh no <laughs> and then his backstory is that uh his wife caught him doing that to her and it ended up making his marriage fall apart. He became an alcoholic. And then he decided to get his life back together and start helping other people as a group therapist. Actually, so that's that the way. GM is playing a character in that regard. And uh, everyone else is just <laughs> using their cards to define and figure out who they are in an improv setting. It's a good recovery there. Making something positive of it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Totally on that. Yeah, we passed those divorces. <laughs> uh, and then so Inri, uh, the players play nuns in a convent in Austria in the 16th century who get visited by God. He gives them uh, the ability to perform small miracles, and that ends up catching the attention of the Inquisition. <laughs> and then I, the final two, um, which are I'm Not Scared and You Live to Tell the Tale, those are both kind of more improv -y, conversational games yeah. uh, with I'm not scared. Each card has 10 adjectives on one side and 10 nouns on the other. Everyone is playing middle school students who are uh, <laughs> oh, in no. a summer camp trying to scare each other. So you start <laughs> off by just calling out any two digit number like 25. You grab two cards, get the second adjective from one, the fifth noun from the other, and they have to tell a scary story about how you survived the creeping goblin. And then other people can interrupt you with another two-digit number, and you'll draw more cards and have to weave that into the story. I like that. We played the <laughs> game. Uh, we played a lot of it with my family. It kind oh, of awesome. a little bit makes me think of uh, of uh, of that game, Once Upon a Time, which is similar to like, mm. making the story off the card. Oh, yeah, yeah. I if played that one forever ago. I forgot about that. That's, yeah. But it's, there's definitely a different element there going on, and I, I, I like <laughs> that. And that's the kind of game that... I'm able to get my daughter to play with me when I can get her to play a game with me. She doesn't <laughs> want to play D&D. &D. <laughs> yeah, I get you. So that this definitely seems like one I would have an easier time getting the non-D&D &D people in the house to play with me. <laughs> yeah, and then so the, the last one, um, and you live to tell the tale, similar situation with 10 adjectives, 10 nouns, but thematically, you're all adventurers uh, who are waiting out a sandstorm in Northern Africa in the 1800s, oh. uh, just telling stories about things you barely survived. <laughs> so like the, the words involved are a lot more like adventure themed. <laughs> So, uh, like boastful, crazy stories and it's yeah. top each other. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that that one's kind of, I mean, th that process was kind of inspired by uh, the role playing game, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, yes, um, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I got that. Yeah. And so I just, I liked the idea of like, uh, you know, just putting the adjectives and nouns in there so that people who are less comfortable role playing will have basically a prompt that they can work off of. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing too, like, I think that's a thing that might even be like, like I've run into these people, especially like when I was like in, in, in like, like Cass County, Missouri, <laughs> of all places, ran to a lot of folks who told these really tall tales and it was like <laughs> who they were. It was like, like, really? Cause I'm 
intelligent enough to know what you're saying isn't true. <laughs> but I never, <laughs> it must be in the mind of that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a ramble, kind of an off point. Now, I got one more question because we're coming up on time here. Before I ask you for information and all, you mentioned a couple things I want you, I want, I'd like to ask about. So you said something like you've done other Kickstarters, tarot decks, yeah. things like that, but you're newer to doing like the role playing games. There, I'm curious to know about your. If you could give us a quick synopsis of maybe like how you got into role playing games and then putting them yeah. out because you're doing other stuff as well and I'd, I'd be interested in hearing that journey <laughs> like i said I, I started with dungeons and dragons 3.5 when i first started in, in high school and then a little <laughs> bit after that then i uh, moved up to nashville and uh, started playing fourth edition with a bunch of people i never played fifth just because i was with a group of gamers when that came out yeah um and then it just kind of became board games uh, from then. But when I started kind of designing, uh, starting my illustration business, which is Chain Assembly, I started off by doing coloring books and pins. Uh, then I did a tarot deck when the pandemic started because I wanted to force myself to have a very elaborate project so that I wouldn't yeah. waste the time. <laughs> so that was my first tarot deck and it went like crazy. So I did a, a board game after that. Then I did a, an Oracle deck. Then I did a uh, another tarot deck, I think. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I've done so many of these. <laughs> <laughs> the Ready Play Games idea, I originally had it as a um, Patreon, yes. um, but I had no idea how to market Patreons because I didn't have a podcast or anything like that. And I the whole time I had this thing live, I only had one backer. And so, uh, but then uh, when I went to Origins as a vendor selling my tarot decks and stuff like that, uh, I hosted a seminar there on how to uh, optimize your Kickstarter and like lessons I've learned from doing Kickstarter and working with manufacturers in China. And uh, it was there that I met Zach Goins at World of Game Design. Yes. And he uh, he saw my Ready Play games and he's like, this is a great product. It should not be on Patreon. Help us get this on Kickstarter so that we can like, and he told me about Zine Quest and then he told me about like uh, Old School Essentials and uh, Borg <laughs> and I, I learned so much from him and I'm like, oh my God, there's like, there's like actually kind of an existing market and place to sell these things I've been making and making no money off of. <laughs> so it's it's just been great working with him and I've been learning so much. And now I'm like almost done designing a Morkborg zine that I'm already 76 pages so far, all original illustrations, oh, nice. 10,000 words. It's going to be a huge project, but I, I'm excited to see that. <laughs> well, maybe when we stop recording, I'll share my screen and show you some things because I haven't really shared anything publicly about it. But that's kind of how I ended up with the Ready Play game. <laughs> I, I guess the thing I need to ask now is where can folks find you online? Where can they back and yeah. pick stuff up and what lot like that? Sure. Um, chainassembly.com is my website. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram is chainassembly. If you look on Kickstarter under chainassembly, you'll find me. You can follow me there. Um, everything I do, I publish it under the name chainassembly instead of my mm -hmm. own name so that it looks like there's a whole team of people working on this stuff, but it's just <laughs> me. Uh, and the name chainassembly refers to the top part of a disc golf basket because that's how I started my <laughs> illustration oh. business was just doing graphics for all the tournaments around Florida. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so chainassembly everywhere. Excellent, excellent. And we'll make sure we get some links in the show notes for you all to follow back to. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, Oh, wait, let me rewind. I want to thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No doubt, Exciting. no doubt. It's been good to talk to you. Uh, 
if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, could you give us a positive review wherever you're listening? You can find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.